Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. As I like to say and in, in did in Thunderdog, don't let your sight get in the way of your vision. This is so important. We need to get out of thinking that eyesight is the only game in town. And the talking lab that. quest proves that. And today we'll be talking about how to make STEM activities more accessible to people with vision issues. Accessible measurement tools, such as the Talking Lab Quest, are essential if visually impaired students and professionals are to be full participants in STEM-related activities, either independently or with their sighted peers. We'll speak with Michael Hingson and Ashley Nybert from Independent Science about the tools and services they offer to meet these needs. Hey, just a quick note before we start today's episode. Last week, we had an episode entitled Pet Peeves of a Blind Person, number 2223, if you're looking for it. And in that show, I listed a number of my personal pet peeves as a blind person interacting with a sighted world. And after that show, we received a number of submissions from our listeners who told us about their own personal pet peeves, and sometimes some funny stories, sometimes kind of poignant. And we thought that if some more of you wanted to submit your personal pet peeves or incidents you run into with the sighted community, that we could include that in a potential future show. So if you want to do that, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thanks a whole lot. Now on with today's episode. First for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Ashley Nybert and Michael Hingson. I think uh, for anyone, the more tools that you have in your toolbox that you can use, the better. I've had so many sighted students come up and mention before when working in a group with a blind student, how much they love being able to see and hear their data at the same time. And so hearing that out loud can be really helpful for a lot of people. And that's true whether you're blind or sighted, and it makes perfect sense. And it certainly is. I'm a firm believer in that. The more tools you have under your tool belt, the more flexibility you have in how to attack a task or how to do something that you want to do. And you just use the right tool for the right job. So just familiarize yourself with a variety of tools. Absolutely. The more tools, the better. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success. Let's start by meeting Michael and Ashley and learning about Independence Science, the company. We have two guests with us today, and I thought maybe, Mike, you could start by introducing yourself and telling us what you do. Hi, I'm Michael Hingson. I consult with Independence Science. I am also the project manager, actually, for a, a new product we're working to develop in Independence Science. Um, I also have my own podcast 
called Unstoppable Mindset, where inclusion, diversity, and the unexpected meet. And I'm the chief vision officer for Accessibility, and probably most visible and well-known because I was a survivor of being in the World Trade Center on September 11th and wrote a number one New York Times bestselling book called Thunderdog, the story of a blind man, his guide dog, and the triumph of trust. But today, we're here for independent science. For anybody who doesn't know the story of Michael being in the World Trade Center, he and his dog are the ones who led their entire work group to safety out of the World Trade Center. That was a, a major, major achievement. Well, if people go to Unstoppable Mindset, um, wherever podcasts are available, or you can go to michaelhingson.com slash podcast, you can hear a lot about the story and related things by listening to the first three episodes of Unstoppable Mindset. And we also have Ashley with us. Can you introduce yourself, Ashley? Hi, I'm Ashley Nybert, and I am the lead curriculum designer for independent science. And I am also a blind scientist. So my bachelor's degree is in chemistry. I have a master's in curriculum and instructional design. And I am about to start on a PhD in uh, curriculum design and science accessibility. That is great. You're in the right position then working for independent science, which makes science more accessible to many blind individuals. And we are all excited about Ashley starting the PhD program. That is so cool. I'm very excited. It's a big deal. As I recall, it was the most work I've ever done, but also the most fun. Good luck. Oh, thank you. Most of our listeners and most of your clients have vision loss. Do you? I happen to be totally blind and have been blind my entire life, yes. I am considered legally blind and have some residual vision, but it changes on the day. You never know what you're going to get. Some days I might be able to read some print. Some days it's total darkness. So I play the sight lottery. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the products and services offered by Independence Science. Today, we want to share with our listeners the services and resources, products available from independent science. But maybe we can start by just telling people what independent science is. Independent science was originally formed by Dr. Kerry Sapalo to work toward developing technology that would allow blind students to work equally and as efficiently as sighted people in studying science in the laboratory, developing equipment to make information accessible. It also, by definition, means that blind scientists can use the technology to make it possible for them to work in the laboratory and have access to information. So a little bit later, independent science worked with Vernier Software and Technology to make their product, the LabQuest, available as a talking LabQuest, which independent science sells. And the talking LabQuest 
basically is a box that can have something over 80 different kinds of probes attached to it or sensors. And those sensors can measure all sorts of things, anything from wind speed to pH to voltage to temperature to any number of different kinds of things. The idea is those products were already available to sighted people. And now because of independent science, they're available to blind persons as well. And so independent science has been working diligently to continue the process of ensuring that all of us who happen to be blind, whether totally or not, have access to the information that others have when they're working in the laboratory. Are there other products that independent science sells? Yes. Uh, We also have a talking logger pro, which is sort of a computer version that has a higher statistical power that you can pair along with the lab quest. And then we also have kits. So any instructors that want to get their students set up with accessible laboratory equipment, like braille labeled spring scales, balances, or um, also tactile equipment like wiki sticks for working with designs and being able to have tactile imaging, we do that as well as consulting and PDF remediation, which as many of you probably know, PDFs do not come accessible. So we do a lot of work in helping make sure that image descriptions as well as the actual words of the PDF come through properly for screen reader users. So you mentioned the founder, Carrie Sapalo. He's also a blind scientist, correct? Correct. And I understand he's a chemist, but from what you just said, these tools are applicable to many, many fields of science. So we have a lot of different scientists on our staff. I myself am a chemist. Mike is a physicist. Uh, We also have blind mathematicians, another physicist, and it also runs the gambit of engineering, oceanography, and everything in between as well. When you're looking at something like the LabQuest, or in our case, the Talking LabQuest, the intent of the original development of the technology was to have a workstation or a station, if you will, that can give you access to measurements in a lot of different ways. So, for example, um, why have a standalone Geiger counter if you can have a probe that you can attach to the LabQuest to measure radiation? Why have a standalone scale or method of measuring force or acceleration if you can have those as sensors that you attach to one box, namely the LabQuest or the talking LabQuest? And that's what the technology brings to everyone is a single station, if you will, that any number of different kinds of probes can be attached to. And not only can it make measurements, but because the LabQuest and the talking LabQuest have the ability to do ongoing measurements, let's say you're measuring the pH to go back to chemistry of something, you can put the probe in a liquid and even watch the pH change as you do something that would cause the pH to change, pH being how acid or base the substance is. 
And not only can you measure those changes and hear those changes as they occur, but the LabQuest and Talking LabQuest allow you to graph it and even export the data so that you can share it with other people. It really makes all of this concept of data collection accessible and available to everyone. Uh, I was going to say, if I could add, it's a mainstream product. So the talking lab quest and the lab quest that doesn't talk is the same sort of product in school. So it helps students to reduce kind of that differentiation sometimes. Students might feel you don't have something different that looks weird or anything that's like, oh, this is only for blind because they can work in groups together, even if they're mainstreamed or have different levels of vision, as well as you can also analyze your data, which is a huge thing. A lot of products that are out there for blind science will try to say, we collect the data, but 90% of science is analysis of that data. And one of the things about the whole LabQuest concept is that if a school has purchased a LabQuest, they can get the software then to make that talk. It's the same device. Mm -hmm. And that's very crucial because as Ashley is pointing out, then what you do is the same either way. It's just that now there is a display or a way to make the information talk. And something else that's exciting about all of this in the last couple of years, we have demonstrated how to use the technology in a remote environment. So if you're dealing with teachers that have locked down classrooms so students can't come in, you can still arrange and configure the devices so you can deal with data remotely. And so again, teachers and others can see what you're doing and teach you accordingly. So I'm pretty sure you just said this, but just to clarify, the talking aspect of the talking lab quest is just a software add-on. It's still the same physical device? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the same technology. Hardware is not modified to make it talk. And this is a great concept because essentially you're using this lab quest as a hub to make a number of measurement devices accessible where normally they wouldn't be accessible. So you don't have to build accessibility into each individual device. And also you can collect all of this information in a computer and presumably a spreadsheet. And as you said, make it very easy to analyze the data you've collected later on. Right. And you can also have on the device sonified output. So you can get a basic audio overview of what your graph is going to look like but you can also emboss that graph and get a tactile representation and or a lot of students that we've worked with use that tactile representation for analysis on their lab report and then turn that into their teacher as well. Well, that would have been real useful to me going through high school and as an undergraduate when you were often doing things in the lab. I had a little bit of vision at the time, and my head was always real close to things to try to read it, and sometimes dangerously close. As I recall, there was an interesting instance when you got a little too close to a Bunsen burner. <laughs> yeah, I bent over with my long hair at the time, and I'm hearing this, Shh, what's that? 
And I put my head up, and my hair wasn't over the Bunsen burner. I don't know. So I bent down again. Same thing. And I finally figured out what was going on. He thought it was hot stuff, right? Yes. Apparently, the Bunsen burner had a dim blue flame, which I couldn't see. It wasn't bright orange like most flames. And each time I bent over, my hair was being singed just a little bit more. But I survived. It's funny that you mention that because uh, that's actually kind of how I got roped in with the company is because my instructor Googled blind scientist because my bachelor's was a chemistry degree. And so I was trying to put like, I carried like a pack of 50 different colors of construction paper that I was trying to put behind it for contrast, because even if they were all clear liquids, the clarity level was different in all of them. So it wouldn't always be a standard color. And so I'd have to go through all of them. And of course, you'd get some of them accidentally melted and have to redo it. And I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous, especially because I'd open the glassware drawer and it it just looked like a bunch of rainbows. And so my instructor actually looked up the company and just Googled blind scientist and the company came up and he's like, well, maybe they can help you. And I loved it so much. I joined on and I've been here ever since. You know, and Ashley typifies a concept um, that many of us do believe and understand. And that is she was forced to use eyesight. And I put it that way in order to try to, to do the science work because she had no other way of doing it. And then when she discovered the lab quest, which allowed her to use the techniques that some would just envision as totally blind people using, but now she was able to participate. And that's so true, whether it's in science or so many different things that blindness isn't really the problem, it's how we deal with it. And that in reality, if you have some eyesight and you don't have a lot of eyesight and you have to use alternatives to being able to use your eyes to totally accomplish something, that's the time to start to learn blindness techniques. Um, a number of rehabilitation agencies have adopted that philosophy and it makes people a lot more successful and makes people more comfortable about dealing with blindness and teaches us that blindness is not to be feared. It's the attitudes about blindness that are the real fear. And with that, yeah, I, like I said, have residual vision, but I, I loved learning Braille and using a cane because then I can use my residual vision to look at something other than my shoes and end up with a terrible hunchback. And when my eyes get tired, I can read Braille. As I like to say and, and did in Thunderdog, don't let your sight get in the way of your vision is, is so important. We need to get out of thinking that eyesight is the only game in town. And the talking lab that. quest proves that. If someone does acquire one of these LabQuest systems, how much training does it take? The average student that I work with being the tech generation that they are, usually a fifth grader picks it up in like 30 minutes or less. It's astounding. We do also offer onboarding sessions for the teacher as well as the students if they're desired every purchase also gets a one hour 
free onboarding session that's included so that they can learn all of the key strokes and ask any questions they might have. And I guess this is more or less plug and play. You buy various units to perform certain measurements and they just plug into the system and they work just like all of the other units do. Right. The probe auto ID is so it knows when you plugged in a temperature sensor versus pH and will accordingly show the correct measurement. When I saw the demonstration, it looked pretty straightforward as to how to use it, especially if you knew how to use a computer. Right. Approximately how many different types of measurement units are available? We have over 80 different sensors. Um, Some of my favorite include, there's an all-purpose weather sensor that has an anemometer for wind speed, uh, temperature, humidity, all in one. Um, There's another one that is a structure and materials tester. That one I think is one of my favorites because you can use balsa wood or any like straws or whatever you'd like to do and build your own little bridge and then see how much tension it can take in different levels uh, vertically and horizontally to be able to figure out what the best type of bridge is. And that really helps with blind students, especially because you can, it's something you can touch. You can make your own bridge and see this is how what I'm doing is affecting my science. I'm actually holding the, the, the weather sensor, the weather station in my hand right now. It's like about six inches long and about an inch thick and maybe an inch and a half wide. And the cool thing about it is that it also happens to be Bluetooth as opposed to connecting with a wire. And the number of the sensors are Bluetooth connections as opposed to wire connections or their equivalents with both. So I could mount this up on my roof if I wanted to and still be sitting here in my house and get all the information. So we've been talking mostly about the Talking Lab Quest, which is a marvelous device. But you mentioned there are other services provided by independent science. Can you just kind of recap those? So one of the things that we do is we have kits that are pre-made for teachers for tactile accessibility, like everything you need in math classes, or accessible science for children that might be too young to use the lab quest just yet. Because like I said, it starts hitting as independent use around fourth, fifth grade, but it's important to introduce students to science as early as possible. We also do consulting where I can design an individualized curriculum to a student's needs. So we've had a couple students before that through their state's vocational rehabilitation program, a blindness agency, or even a parent can have it where their student wants to learn more and they're not getting it in school. So, or they're wanting to be prepared for college and didn't get the chance in high school, then we can work with them. Some of our staff will work with them over a span of days and train them on the lab quest and make an individualized plan for that student to help them to get careers 
And we've even had placements afterwards from them. So some of the vocational rehabilitation agencies use that training to help prove to potential employers that their students are able to work and function as scientists. Well, that's great that you're able to make science so accessible to people who are visually impaired, and they shouldn't be dissuaded from pursuing their interests and or careers in science. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about independence science and how to contact the company and Ashley Nybert and Michael Hingson. If people are interested in finding out more about the various products you offer at Independence Science and or the LabQuest, where can they get that information? So that's going to be at www.independencescience.com. And that's independence with an E-N-C-E. And by the way, on the Talking LabQuest, one of the features, is, and it's available on the website, as I recall, is a periodic table of the elements with more things than you ever, you ever wanted to know about any element. Um, it's on the, the LabQuest, but there is also a talking periodic table on the website. Am I right about that, Ashley? Yes, there is an accessible periodic table that is for free on the website for anybody who wants to use that for school. If somebody had a question or a comment, how would they reach you? So we are available via phone, email, Twitter, or Facebook. So our phone number, our central line is 866-862-9665. And then if you wanted to reach me, I'm extension 5. And Mike, do you want to? extension 9. And then um, our emails, it's our first initial and then last name at independentscience.com. So mine's A Nybert, A-N-E-Y, B as in boy, E-R-T, at independentscience.com. And I am M. Hingson, M-H-I-N-G-S-O-N, at independentscience, I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-C-E-S-C-I-E-N-C-E.com. Yeah, and then we also have Twitter and Facebook. So if you want to find our Twitter, we're at INDSCI. And then our Facebook is just with slash independent science, smash just one word. And we put out a quarterly newsletter, which you can sign up for on the website which we've been getting for several years. There you go. You guys do some interesting work. It's terrific to see how the company and the effort has been growing. It's fun. And of course, you can find all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And remember that we've done many episodes over the years about STEM, science, math, etc., and we've interviewed many professionals in those fields. So if you want to hear some of those episodes, you can use the handy search feature on our website and just enter the term STEM or science, and you'll find links to those episodes along with the show notes and a summary of each episode. 
and it makes it really easy to find what you're looking for in our archive of nearly 600 episodes. That's it for show number 2224. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about a recently published memoir entitled The Candy in My Pocket. Over the years, John Robert Wilkin developed many complications from childhood diabetes, including blindness, amputation of a limb, and kidney failure. Despite these setbacks, he soldiered on to become a world-renowned interior designer. We'll talk with John about his experiences and about his newly released memoir, The Candy in My Pocket. And that is a really fun book with lots of stories that John has to tell. So we hope you'll join us next week to hear some of that. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.